listening to the Writers Forum. I'm your host, Mike Tusa, and today I'm privileged to be interviewing Mike Madison about a book he co-wrote with Ernest Suarez titled Poetic Song Verse, Blues-Based Popular Music and Poetry. Mike is a singer-songwriter, probably best known for his band Scrapomatic and his work with the Tedeschi Trucks Band, though few may not have known that he's a graduate of Harvard. Ernest is the David M. O'Connell Professor of English at the Catholic University in D.C. and the Executive Director of the Association of Literary Scholars, Critics, and Writers. Mike, welcome to the show. Thank you. Good to be here. Well, look, before we turn to the book, which I found fascinating, let me ask you, are you on tour right now? Uh, no, we're actually off tour until uh, early January. And okay. And we're uh, actually starting up back again in uh, New Orleans. Yeah, well, I was going to say, y'all were just in New Orleans not that long ago at the Sanger, if I recall correctly. It wasn't, uh, yeah, a year or so, uh, but we're, I think we're doing two dates there uh, in early January. I, okay. I don't have my calendar okay. in front of me, but yeah, come All right. on. Well, let's turn to the book. All right, and I'm going to ask, is it fair to say that the idea of this book, you know, to argue in favor of a, a literary category of poetic song verse, crystallized for you and Ernest with uh, Bob Dylan winning the Nobel Prize for Literature? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, it's interesting, uh, the timeline that we had writing this book. Um, it, it, it really began with uh, Professor Ernest Suarez and, and I getting to know each other, and uh, he is uh, the head of the English department over at Catholic University in Washington, D.C., and he'd been teaching a course uh, called Poetry and Rock for about 20 years. Um, and he had this idea that he wanted to turn it into a book, uh, but he needed some help, uh, not on the poetry side, but really on the music side of things. And we met when he uh, interviewed me. Uh, he was doing a piece on the Washington Post for our band, the Derek Trucks Band. And he interviewed me on background, and we started talking about poetry and kind of hit it off. And he proposed this idea of, of, of writing this book. And uh, we, we started, this was probably like eight or nine years ago, I think. And we started just kind of spitballing ideas about what we were really talking about, um, because there's so much academic research and work done on, on poetry and music, poetry and jazz, poetry and blues, but not really poetry and rock. And so it, it took us a while to really kind of hone in on what we were trying to say. And, and, uh, and through these conversations and this writing and this back and forth, Ernest really hit upon this idea that um, we were talking about a, a, a new literary genre. We weren't just talking about poetry. We weren't just talking about music. We were talking about something that had, had its own category that was – that, that it didn't work. Each element didn't work on their own. It was the fusion of the two that, that really made it happen. And uh, he came up with this idea of poetic song verse. And then about four years into the process, uh, Dylan won his Nobel Prize. And we kind of were able to have this uh, we told you so moment, <laughs> I guess. Uh, that's kind of a long explanation. Okay. Well, well, let's start for our listeners with uh, you defining for them what you and Ernest mean by poetic song verse. Well, what we mean by poetic song verse is a, is a new literary genre in a way. It's it's where it's it's the, it's the crossroads, it's the axis where poetry meets uh, music, uh, in particular rock music, um, and it it 
it becomes its own thing. It, 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 it can't stand on its own as poetry, and it, and it can't just be dismissed as entertainment in music. Um, it, it, it is a, a genre that needs to be examined and studied and, and thought about. Well, what, if, if we were talking, sense. yeah, it does. If we were talking about the elements of it, and because in a minute I'm going to ask you to juxtapose different songs, some that fit, some that don't fit. Um, if you were trying to identify what the elements of poetic song verse would be, what what would they be? Well, I think I think first and foremost, it it, it begins with the intention of the composer, um, and that the that the composer has lyrics um, and and. I guess, for lack of a better word, a message that um, it, it needs to be revisited. It, it's a it's a topic that's probably more serious than what we get in our general popular song, whether it's about you know dates or love or whatever. Um, and he's he or she is approaching the the topic with with a poetic seriousness, meaning that you're going to use. Uh, rich language, you're going to use narrative, you're going to use metaphor, you're going to use the techniques of poetry, but you're going to present it in in a popular rock music format. Okay. And so, just so it's clear, so you're saying not every song out there, not every popular song out there would meet the requirements for poetic song verse. No, and, and not every song needs to. Um, right. right. <laughs> that, that's the great thing about poetic song verse is Things can be considered that, and things cannot be considered that, but it, it probably shouldn't hamper your enjoyment. But what we're saying is, if something is trying or striving to be poetic song, there's there's, there's a deeper in, enrichment and and uh, and interaction to be had uh, with with the composer and listener if if it's striving for that and it and it succeeds at that. All right. Well, let's to make this uh, as practical or break this down as best we can. Can you give me, for example, two Beatles songs? Most people are familiar with those. One that mm-hmm. would fit uh, poetic song verse, and one uh, that wouldn't. Sure. Uh, in, in in the book, we actually use two examples. I know. Um, we. <laughs> that's easy for me then. <laughs> I'm have to access that part of my brain. Um, we we, uh, we start with uh, Norwegian Wood, which we do consider, to, uh, off of Rubber Soul, which we do consider to be poetic song verse. And um, it, it basically, we're, we're examining uh, the, the narrative there. Um, you know, I once had a girl, or should I say, she once had me. Um, and, and the story that, that the narrator is telling about this evening spent with this kind of enigmatic woman and this very open-ended uh, drama that you're not quite sure what is happening. It, it's definitely not a love song. It's, it's almost bordering on a hate song. <laughs> but, 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 but there's a lot of uh, ambiguity in there, and, and, and I think that the, the lyrics um, uh, you know, p- play into that. And, and, uh, and, and, and that poetic ambiguity really draws the listener in. And you have to return to it time and again to figure out what's going on in the song. Also, where the lyrics meet the music there, um, it's really not a traditional song structure. There's this kind of recurring um, sitar line, you know, which happens to be the, also the melody to the song. But it's not this traditional verse, chorus, branch thing that you get in, in pop music. Um, and, and so your expectations are diverted uh, at, at kind of every... Uh, juncture there, um, as you, you'd think things are going to repeat themselves and they don't, and et cetera, et cetera. So, so really, the music matches 
the ambiguity and and the uh, the curiosity that that's that's brought out by the lyric. Um, and and again, I think one of the main facets of poetic song verse and, and poetry itself is that. There, there's so much going on. There's so many layers of meaning. There's, there's just uh, like, like any great work of art, it just keeps throwing off different meanings every time you revisit it. And, and I think that's the main, main element uh, going on in, in poetic song verse. Uh, for the other Beatles song, uh, "She Loves You," um, it's pretty straightforward. You know, she loves you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She loves you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and it really follows this verse chorus uh, format that we're so used to, um, and it's a very catchy and and fun song, and uh, it's it's hopeful. Um, you know, you think you lost your love, but I saw her yesterday, and she actually loves you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's a great song. It's one of the greatest popular rock songs ever written, but I wouldn't consider it poetic song verse. Okay. Well, let me, you know, as I was reading the book, I was struck, and I'm not sure if you're familiar with this work, there's a book by Lewis Hyde called The Gift. And yes. in it, you know, well, then you know, in it, Hyde makes, a, among other things, a distinction between what I'll for the moment call real art versus commod- what is a commodity. Yes. Um, let's say Picasso's Guernica versus uh, a Velvet Elvis. Is this, a, is this also kind of a structure that you look at when you're looking at a song to determine if it's poetic song verse? Absolutely. And, and, uh, and, and we do uh, quote Hyde uh, quite a bit, actually, mm-hmm. in, in the book. Yeah. And, and that's a very seminal book that, that was just personally very helpful to me as I set out in music. Um, but yes, and, 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 but, but, but with a... With a I, I guess I guess there's an added detail there in that because rock music itself really was born as a commodity, you can't really fully separate the two. And so, in poetic song verse, I think it's it's a um, it's almost a pushback from the artistic side of the commodification of rock. <laughs> if, if, if that isn't too esoteric, no, it doesn't. Well, you know. Um, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, please. Well, you know, you're saying, and so for our listeners, you're saying rock, and you've repeated that several times. The book uses the phrase blues-based popular music, so what, maybe we need to drill down a little bit um, yeah. and talk about rock versus blues. And this is going to get us into another point that you make about authenticity, but let me go ahead and get you to make that distinction or, or explain that for us. Right. Well, we, we, we try to make a very literal link between, uh, between blues and rock. And, and that rock is really an outgrowth of, of blues music. And, and um, if, if the reader accepts that, we go back and talk about some of the main elements of blues. Um, and as, as, a, as a community and a communal uh, building uh, music, basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we talk about the insistent rhythm. Uh, which is inviting because you can count on it and rely on it, that it won't change. Um, we talk about the blue notes, uh, which are microtones or quarter tones or half tones, technically, um, that aren't on the Western scale and that, that really kind of replicate the human voice and, and bring this humanity to the music um, that, that is easily recognizable. And so we'll also bring a listener in. We talk about the blues form, which is AAB. Uh, you make a statement, 
you repeat it up a fourth, and then you basically respond to that statement. That would be the B, um, which builds up this tension that, again, brings the listener in because you, you, after, after the A is repeated, you're like, well, I need to hear how this story ends. And, and the fourth element would be the authenticity of feeling that the blues community requires, um, which is the blues is this space that's carved out by the performer and the listener where anything's allowed. You can talk about how freakishly happy you are. You can talk about how miserable you are. You can talk about how you want to murder your spouse. <laughs> you can talk about what's happening around you. Um, anything you happen to see, whether it's a weather event, a flood, or something like that, or somebody being mistreated, or somebody uh, celebrating. Um, it's, it's this sacred space where using these four elements of the blues, you try to say something that you truly mean and hopefully land it with the audience. And I, I think that the idea is, is that you, the authentic, authenticity of, of what you're saying will be judged by the audience um, as, as real or false, depending on how much you adhere to these elements of the blues. Well, let, let's talk about authenticity for the moment, because you do mention that in the book, and you actually define it as a kind of a four elements uh, to it. But one thing that struck me, and, and maybe I'm, I'm veering off course here, is there's so much of rock music, at least when I was growing up, that were basically just recycled blues songs. So yeah. wh where's the authenticity when Led Zeppelin or, or whoever else, um, for lack of a better word, steals a, an old blues song? Well, that, that's a great question. <laughs> um, and and, and I, I, again, I, I think the blues elements um, are, they, they, they're, they're indelible. And so uh, if Led Zeppelin is playing an old blues song, it's up to the audience to decide if it's authentic or not. Okay. Um, you know, people who have a great historical knowledge um, of the history of the blues and, and of blues artists and things might seem that it comes up short. But if you're 17 years old in 1973, it probably blew your face off. You know, <laughs> and, I, and I think that's a testament to, to the power of what's what's happening in the in the blues dynamic between performer and audience. Okay, all right. Well, let's let's move on a little bit there, because in the book you trace the origins, if I understand it correctly, of poetic song verse, and part of that is exploring the influence that jazz and the blues had on poets in the twenties yeah. and the thirties, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. And and then the the script kind of flips itself. In the fifties and sixties, with with music, excuse me, with poets affecting music. Yeah, I, I think you're correct. Yeah, uh, um, and and what what we're trying to trace in in the poetry side of things, especially in, in the thirties, forties, fifties, is what was happening in American poetry and this turning away from uh, a more. Formalism and and from modernism, and and moving towards something different, uh, particularly with the beat poets, mm -hmm. who are trying to seek uh, out a different type of of uh, way of communicating and a, and a different type of language that's more colloquial, that's more of the street, that's more of what's really happening, not in high culture, but in culture at large and even popular culture, and then also in, in the poets who are becoming more confessional. Uh, we, t we talk about Robert Lowell, for example, who is kind of the ultimate formalist, who suddenly starts to write this very confessional, um, uh, psychological, self-examining stuff 
And uh, Ernest has a great quote. I can't remember who says it. It might have been Alan Tate, but says to him, his nickname was Cal, and he says to him, Cal, but but it's not poetry <laughs> when he starts reading his confessional stuff. Mm-hmm. And and so poetry is 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 moving more towards what we might say is authentic or is or is more representative of of real life and and boots on the ground. And um and and I and I think that is going on hand in hand as that's happening in music too and the blues based music is 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 entering popular culture um and especially with, with, the, with the birth of rock and well and the confessional aspect if my memory is correct is one of the elements you point out for uh to have authenticity right exactly okay yeah. all right and now when you talk about the beats if again if i if i'm remembering correctly um you give a lot of influence there to allen ginsburg's poetry yes yes we do and the effect and, on uh, D- dylan and others right Yes, yeah. I mean, not not just personally, but also in their work. Mm-hmm. And um, and and you know, it's 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 very common knowledge. There's so many books about Bob Dylan, <laughs> but but how affected he was by beat poetry. And uh, but but it wasn't just him. You know, um, in in the folk music scene where from which Dylan sprang, uh, there was this cross pollinization. There were as, as you know, there were musical performances and. and with, with poets and poetic readings with musicians and this this kind of coffee house culture where where there was this great hybridization and, 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 and mixture mixture of the two. And I think Dylan, the, the reason he gets so much credit is he's the one who really took it and ran with it. He 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 said, I'm gonna take this poetic seriousness that's that's happening around me and I'm gonna apply it as hard as I can in my music. And um, you know, I think he had a great boost up by being signed by John Hammond who kind of just let him run. Uh, and in those first records, you can see him really swinging for the fences and, and whiffing quite a bit. <laughs> but when it finally starts working, um, he, he really changed the, the, the foundation of, of, of popular culture there by insisting that he be taken seriously, uh, poetically, um, and, and, and musically, you know, hand in hand. Well, and one of the things you point out that I thought was interesting, and it takes us away from not simply a discussion of music, but back to culture, um, is the 50s were often glamorized as a sort of Ozzy and Harriet America. But y'all argue in the book that under that veneer, there was this deeper change going on, and music was reflecting that. And yes. I, couldn't, I couldn't help thinking at the same time, because I think it's around that time that Ginsburg gets in trouble with Howell, and the First Amendment issues um, yeah. that he fights. So was was this change that's going on in the 50s, below the veneer, if you will, also an influence on artists like uh, Dylan and Joni Mitchell? Yeah, I think so, absolutely. And, and uh, you know, the, the seeds of, of what we all know the 60s were, were were definitely sown post post World War II. It was bubbling. It was it was it was ready to pop. And I think Dylan was a great uh, conveyor of that. And and we also quote, you know, there's a great uh, Mick Jagger quote that we're embarrassed to realize when we're reading through the manuscript <laughs> we used about four or five times. Uh, but but he, but he's he's talking about this new kind of poetic seriousness post Dylan's breakout and and how you had to rethink about how you thought about the music that you made. He, he said, you have to understand the music that was happening in the late 50s, early 60s was, was how much is that doggy in the window? It was really treacly. It was extremely 
extremely uh, shallow. And, 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 he, and he said, you have to understand where we're coming from is, is, is part of a reaction to that, is that it was really, really crummy <laughs> in terms of depth. Well, you know, and you do, and this part did surprise me a lot, was that um, you attribute a, a good bit to Chuck Berry in, in this yeah. development. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, yeah. I, I mean, I, I think of Chuck Berry, and I don't think of poetic song verse, but y'all, y'all do an excellent job of pointing out how that correlates. Yeah, I mean, that, that's really uh, actually Ernest's work. He's, he's a great Chuck Berry scholar, <laughs> there is such a thing. Um, but, you know, even Dylan himself says that, that Chuck Berry is kind of the Shakespeare of, of, of rock music, and, and I guess what we would call poetic song verse, in that he was writing uh, narratives and lyrics that, that were, were quite multi-leveled, if you bothered to pay attention. Right. He, he, was, he started writing these, you know, uh, these, these teenage songs or songs for teenagers when he was in his 30s. And so he was already making a leap of imagination um, to, to his supposed audience. And he was writing about teenage disaffection as as an adult man, and and I think that probably gave him the perspective to do it so well. Um, but but he was also doing things like uh, coding. You know, uh, we talked about brown eyed handsome man, mm-hmm. um, and and about you know throughout the ages, women's love of a brown eyed handsome man, which if if you take even the most cursory look at it, he's really talking about black men mm-hmm. in the 1950s and white women's love for them. Um, and so he has these hit songs where he's saying very, very subversive things politically um, to teenagers, <laughs> uh, where, where, you know, some the initiated and those who are paying attention will get it, and, and those who aren't uh, obviously didn't. And we'll, we'll still enjoy the song. <laughs> and still enjoy the song. That's the great thing. Everybody can enjoy it. <laughs> right. Well, aren't we, are we looking here, to, again, to, to put music in context and the poetic part in context? All of this really is a cultural reaction, right? I think that's part of it. I okay. think it is. I, I think it's a cultural reaction, but, but also um, it's, it's, it's an absorption of things that are already there. Uh, particularly from the African American community, mm-hmm. a you know the blues and, uh, and and an entire musical culture, um, and and it, it's just really, and that's the great thing about rock. Uh, it, it really is a hybridization of, of many different elements, and that became this thing that really revolutionized the world. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Ernest like to say that you know the, the two things that really changed the 20th century are uh, the advent of film and and rock and roll. Hmm. Well, let me get you to do this. We've got about four or five more minutes, and I'm going to switch to another band. Um, how about the Stones? Can you give us an example, another example of one that fits poetic song verse and one that does not? Sure. Well, you know, a, a lot of their early work... Um, was really just kind of blues mimicry. Mm-hmm. I know there's this, uh, I think there's kind of staging a, a cultural fight these days where Paul McCartney has said in the last month or so that the Stones are really just a blues cover band. <laughs> he or did. Like he that. did. I just think that I mean, he's trying to gin up some, some attention. But, uh, but, for his, but for his really new book. How, yeah, for his for, new Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. always be selling. Yeah, uh-huh. I'm okay with that. But uh, <laughs> I think, um, you know, uh, even even their most famous song, I think I can't get no satisfaction, is an early stab at poetic song verse that doesn't really 
work. Okay. Um, it, it's kind of this anti-commercial screed. Um, it's it's a rock song about things that rock songs should not be against. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, cars and, and 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 products that you need and girls and stuff like that. It's it, it's it's not that interesting as a song. Um, I mean, it's a great song. Again, you can dance to it, and I agree with its sentiment, but it's not poetry. Um, let's take something else a couple years down the line and you get to Sympathy for the Devil, which is this monologue, as, and as it goes along, you begin to realize that it's the devil himself talking about his hand in history throughout the ages, um, done to this uh, kind of Afro-Cuban beat, and it, there again, structurally, there really is no verse chorus. I mean, there, there are repeated lines and there are refrains. Pleased to meet you. Hope you get my name. But really, it's this, it's this dramatic monologue, um, which really which would not be that interesting if it didn't have that very unrock and roll beat behind it. And then this thing that begins about a third of the way into the song, where people <laughs> this this chorus just saying who 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 who. It's it's the oddest song, and yet. It, it has this internal logic and coherence that uh, that you know it, it, it should be a classic, uh, but it's it's just this strange little work of art um, that you have to keep going back to to really understand what's happening in it. Well, let me ask you this: What has been the reaction um, to your you know push, if you will, for this new category of poetic song verse? And let's talk about among musicians and then outside of uh, the music world. It's interesting, you know. Some, some musicians I know who've read it really like it. Um, for them, it's a, it's a doorway into this mystical world of, of lyrics, which mm-hmm. is always a little confusing to us musicians. <laughs> um, and 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 the fact that 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 lyrics and poetry and music are that linked, and 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 that there's a way to have them work uh, with the synergy together. Um, so musicians tend to like it. Some academics and poets have pushed back a little bit more, um, and but our response to that has been, <clears throat> you know, this is just something we made up. So <laughs> it, it's not an indelible category that some are in and some are out, and some things are good and some things are bad. It's just a, it's a tool to begin talking seriously about the music that that we all love, and that's kind of. Where, where we came at the, at the whole project. Okay. Well, Mike, I'm old enough that uh, friends and I often sit around and lament that there's no uh, current John Prine or Joni Mitchell out there on the horizon. Yeah. Now, you do yeah. mention at the end of the book Lucinda Williams, who I, I certainly adore, but who else is yeah. out there these days writing songs that you think fit the poetic song verse category? Well, I, I think many, many um, rap and hip hop artists are okay, um, and it, it, too many, too many to name. But but I, I think the, the poetic spark has really stayed alive there. Okay, um, with with, with <clears throat> just straight poetic song verse, you know, it tends to be, it tends to come from what we might call the Americana area, mm-hmm. um, because there's just that lingering history there, you know, whether you got a Jason Isbell or Sturgill Simpson or, uh, you know, and, and some of the indie artists like a Sharon Van Etten or, or people like that. I mean, the, 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 the spark is still alive. And again, it's it's a matter of, of the artists themselves wanting to have that seriousness 
and and then drawing that audience to them. Um, and so I, I, I lament it too, but um, I, I I think it's I think it's alive and well. It's, it's you just gotta you gotta want it as a listener, and you and you have to want it as as an artist. And 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 I think eventually the two to find each other. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. As you were saying it, I was wondering, and maybe I'm off base here, but so as you've chronicled this, the poetic song verse really kind of starts in the African-American community with blues. Maybe yeah. it dissipates a little bit with, with rock by, you know, white bands or whatever. And now yeah. it's being resurrected, if you will, in the African-American community again with rap and hip hop. Is that, am I overreaching? No, I, th- I think that's definitely there. Absolutely, okay. and uh, and and you know, it's funny. I, I talked to musicians who are lamenting uh, the, the death of the blues or the death of really good pure R and B or things like that. And and I think what we forget about the African uh, creative community is they're always one step ahead of actual culture. <laughs> they're 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 used to things being temporary and, and ephemeral, and so they're just. We're moving on to the next stuff, okay. <laughs> and 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 so you gotta you gotta really keep your eyes open to see what's 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 happening next. Okay, well, listen, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to Writers Forum. I'm your host, Mike Tusa, and I've been very privileged to be talking with Mike Madison, one of the authors of the book, Poetic Song Verse, Blues Bass, Popular Music, and Poetry. Hey, thanks, Mike, for being on the program. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it.